good day. I hope everyone had a great weekend and a great week. Uh, it's been a little bit since we talked to you. I didn't have to do a second episode last week. I mean, I probably could have, but I, I wasn't touching it. I barely want to touch this one, but uh, let's get into it. The news this week. Uh, Ontario, at least. You can go places. Uh, much of Canada is heading that direction. BC, for some unknown reason, is still fighting till their last dying breath. I, I mean, I feel bad for folks in BC, but I mean, you're kind of stuck with who you vote for. So, John Horgan, keep voting, I guess. Not a lot of news this week in Canadian politics, really. Uh, the world as we know it is kind of fixated on Russia and Ukraine. And in the process are neglecting everything domestically. Uh, a lot is happening over there. And uh, yeah, it's it's kind of weird to see. We basically just shut down everything domestically. Uh, don't get me wrong. They're still pushing certain bills through the legislature that uh, are particularly concerning. Uh, we're going to have to break down. I think there's like three bills they're pushing through right now. Uh, one of which is the terrorist, the eco-terrorist, Stephen Gilbo's uh, love child. Uh, their censorship bill is still set to push through. Uh, one really interesting fun fact today, I, I just got off checking with Twitter, and it looks like, on the topic of censorship, if you have one of those badass F. Trudeau flags... Uh, they are now apparently illegal on Parliament Hill. Um, again, I could maybe see a case if it actually said the full word. Uh, it is a censored flag to begin with, voicing a political opinion uh, that is unfavorable to the current leadership. And apparently, uh, they have determined that is illegal. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, if it plays out at all. Uh, but why is this, why should this be shocking? We We live in a some version of authoritarianism where the leader is basically a dictator without actually knowing it, without publicly saying it, so that his supporters and the people in the middle may not get it, but people like you and me, looking from our side of the aisle, it's very clear he's he is as much a dictator as our structure as it is bastardized today will let him. So, why is it shocking? It shouldn't be shocking. Uh, I don't know why I even blink at this point when stuff goes sideways. Uh, another bill that they're pushing through, or trying to push through, we'll see how it goes, is uh, they're floating the UBI, which is, again, pair a bunch of these together, and it really starts to look like a scary dystopian novel. Uh, they're talking universal income, they're talking mass internet censorship, uh, it's just getting weird uh, on the background. Like, it's not front and center. And the stuff going on in the background is kind of concerning. And I'm at the point now where it's like, why, are, why am I being distracted? You've got me looking over here. What are you doing over there? I just, I don't get it. But on the topic of censorship and using that to pivot to our main topic tonight, uh... Justin Trudeau and liberals and conservatives alike, they are all now calling to censor uh, Russia Today, I believe it is. It's state media. It's effectively Russia's CBC. 
Uh, it's pretty popular in on YouTube, at least from what I've seen. I've listened to it a few times. Again, I give it no credence to the fact that it is state media. It is 100% filtered through a authoritarian leader and, and the lens that they want to portray. But I still, I still consume it because it's interesting to see what they're trying to portray. Uh, it's very telling when you see what a state-controlled media is putting out there. It, it allows you to kind of see the next hand, if, if you could put it that way, or at least a preview of it. Uh, and <laughs> it's funny because I don't, I don't look any differently to CBC. It's quite literally state-run media. And unfortunately, it's a very bent state-run media. Even though we live in a political duality, uh, it's still very, very bent in Canada. But I don't need to tell you guys this. Everyone, most people today, even the most lefty people I know are starting to be like, okay, it's a little bias. When they're, when they're literally showing movie clips and, and attributing it to the war in Ukraine, it's, it's crazy. Um, but the idea of shutting them down and blocking them out of Canadian airwaves, it's not just dangerous in the fact that it sets a slippery slope precedent. Um, it's dangerous in the fact that, well, if they can justify it there, what's next? And why is it that you don't want people to see this? Like, if it's bad information, it's false, by all means, back it up. Re rebut it show that it's wrong and i mean cbc being a state broadcaster absolutely has the bandwidth to get that way further than any russia today youtube channel will get in canada um truth be told like everything in the world both sides have got it somewhat wrong uh 100 russia today is not being 100 genuine sincere honest at all that same applies to Justin Trudeau and CBC. And we're basically living out this war of truth and authority at this point. I mean, if it's not a threat to you, and it's false, well, why do you care? And the truth is, he cares because it's, it's a threat to status quo. It's, it's a... Again, I, I don't even need to attribute fact to it. But what people that are perhaps buying the, the Russia line or in that direction, it directly threatens the status quo because it offers a different perspective that, that the perspective itself is a threat to the West and Western values, really, it, as of today. Um, certainly, Russia has been no slouch in the fact that they are very, very anti-woke. Um, Putin and his administration have said on countless times that leftism and going as woke as the West has gone is a disease, and I believe he even attributed it to past downfalls, even in, in Russia, when they hyper-focused on stuff. I won't, I won't quote that for sure, because I'm, I'm, being a little vague on that one, I'm not positive that came from him, but they have talked at pretty good length on how the, the wokeism and the, the division is such a, a dangerous tactic that's been used before. And even just that is a threat to, to Justin Trudeau. 
and really all of them, the the establishment politicians. I think where we're at now is, and, and you're seeing it happen all over. Uh, I, I love seeing it at the school board level and the county level where, where people are just done. They're, they're taking control back. The power is in the people and you've got critically minded and, and not for lack of a better word, brainwashed. You've got people taking it back, Uh, people joining unions, uh, getting on their school board, running for local council. And this is how it happens. Absolutely. This is how it happens. But if they can kind of stunt the growth of that kind of movement, the trucker movement scared the crap out of these guys, but you bet your bottom dollar. If you start mobilizing grassroots activism on a structural level, oh gosh, not only do we shape the future of the next 20 years, uh, but you put these elite asshats just in their seats. Uh, Just make Trudeau absolutely irrelevant, which is, I mean, at this point, would make everything worth it. If you could just watch Justin Trudeau suffer into obscurity. Oh, we can dream, right? Like, that's not... I can dream. But as we kind of move back to Russia, because trust me, I don't want to talk Russia. I think it's largely a distraction, but it's it's big enough that we can't ignore it, and we do kind of have to talk about it and hopefully touch on perspectives that haven't really been focused on or intentionally are being looked away from. Uh, as anyone who drives right now knows that we are probably this week going to see significantly above $2. Uh, and I don't mean like two fifty, but it, it stands to reason like we will probably see a hold above $2. You're not going to see just $2 in Vancouver. You're going to see $2 pretty much everywhere. Uh, and that's going to hurt. I was talking to some friends the other day and I remember filling up gas at 68, 69 cents a liter. And I don't, I'm, I'm not that old. I'm, I'm aware that I'm not as young as I used to be, but I'm not like some grandpa. I went to the movies and got popcorn and a ticket for 10 cents. No, I'm, I'm 30 years old. Uh, when I got gas at 68, 69 cents, I was like, that was like 10 years ago. It was not that long ago that we we saw it wasn't, markedly be that low it was it was a freak it dipped below 70 cents um but i mean a good chunk of my early driving was at or around a dollar a liter and i remember when it went above a dollar and about a dollar 20 dollar 30 they had huge political outroar that it's not sustainable you can't afford this you're crushing family vacations and it, it was a huge political point we talked about and what worries me now is it's barely being talked about from a political standpoint as, a, as we need to fix this. Uh, a lot of politicians are blaming things for it. Oh, this is happening because we had to ban gas from Russia. This is happening because of Ukraine. This is happening this, that, or the other. And it's like, but nobody's actually, hey, this isn't okay. Hey, we can't do this. And that worries me because it, it doesn't seem like there's any hope that it gets dealt with uh, or that it gets changed in the near future, which that worries me right now the most. And I really, we all said after COVID and when they start counting the beans and 
where the money went, how much money we quite actually just printed. Uh, it's going to be bad. And I think that part of what we're seeing, I think they're going to use this as an excuse uh, to blame inflation on Russia, where the citizens may not get as outraged as they normally would at their own government. So, I don't know. Things are going through the roof, and I don't think they're slowing down. Uh, definitely got tired of my my crypto kind of up and down with, are they going to regulate it? Uh, definitely move some into oil and gas because Lord knows it's going to be a bouncy market there for a while. As far as on the ground, Ukraine, Russia, they, uh, they have agreed to a ceasefire zone for humanitarian aid and civilian escape. Again, these are normal aspects of war and it shows that there is a willingness to work in good faith at some level. Uh, I saw today Biden and White House staff are talking about in the eventuality that Zelensky is caught or killed, uh, they said, and I quote, we need to find a suitable replacement. And it, it kind of just tells you the quiet part out loud. Uh, make no mistake, Zelensky was selected to run, quote unquote, uh, very, very Western leaning leader. Uh, so the concept that they would want to basically install another, just like they do in Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, all of these th countries where they basically just blow it up and then kind of take over leadership in their favor. Uh, just like Muammar Gaddafi, uh, same thing where they, they replaced him with somebody that they thought they could trust fund them, give them ammunition, give them all sorts of stuff, and then they get turned on again. Uh, this is this is how the states works. And don't kid yourself, they make a great deal of money off of it. Uh, all conflict on foreign soil is good conflict when it comes to making weapons. And yeah, they, they absolutely have a globalist-type aspiration, where they, they want to expand their influence outward, and again, we've talked about this. This is what Russia was pushing back against. Uh, so for them to come out and say, hey, if something happens to Zelensky, we need to find somebody else we can put in there. That literally just confirms everything that Putin has said was his concern, was the, the influence the West and NATO have had on Russia. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to play both sides of this. It is wrong to hurt and put innocent people at risk. You've got women, kids, terrible things. Conflict is bad and people get hurt and it's, it's tragic and it's even worse when it's innocent people. Um, but it's difficult for me not to look at the situation and be like, okay, I disagree with how they're doing it, but I understand what got it there. And Hey, here's this evidence to kind of point to and say, okay, well he, he wasn't crazy. Because they're still doing it. And they're so cocky about it. They're, they're happy to say it out loud on national TV. So we're, we're really watching another American analogous war. Uh, I don't... I've had this conversation a couple times over the weekend. My parents even came over and... Again, my parents, CNN, CBC, whatever's on. It's, they're just sponges. Uh, whatever is on is... That's the narrative. 
uh, for two years, they wouldn't hug me. They came by this weekend and I got hugs right away. COVID doesn't exist. It doesn't matter. We don't care if you're vaccinated. It's over. Cool. Great. We got that through. Now it's, it's war. We're talking world war three. And it's like, honestly, I don't care. I don't care, ma. It, you guys aren't going to sit there and listen to me. You're not going to understand nuance. And at the end of the day, it's, it's not our stuff to deal with. Why, why is a 70 year old grandmother sitting there worrying about what's going on in Ukraine and how it will affect us here? And it's like, do you not have anything better to do? Anything better to talk about? Like, how is Dorothy next door? Or, or did your neighbor come and get you your sugar? I, I just, I don't know. Maybe I'm just cold and bitter over all of this. I just, when did we get to the point where war is a, a normal talking point in conversation? Like, yeah, okay. Like, yeah, it sucks. But like, oh yeah. We just have to show our virtue. We, we, we've gotten to such a societal level of, of virtual currency based on selective virtue. And, and it's, it's affecting everyone, including grandma, uh, where if you don't align yourself in the most public way, then you're not good enough for some asinine reason. Moving forward though, enough with, enough with grandma. Um, moving forward, we've got to talk about the sanctions. We've, we talked about that last episode and we highlighted the fact that sanctions are detrimental to the civilian population. Largely don't make a lot of impact on the government. Uh, given any authoritarian government, if they have one single objective, uh, historically they can accomplish that. Uh, you look at Germany with Hitler, you look at Italy with Mussolini, you look at even North Korea. If, if they have one single objective, they can, they can accomplish that at great expense to everything else. So you've got North Korea who wants to build intergalactic missiles. They're working on it. They're making progress. Their people are suffering. You've got uh, Hitler wanted to fund war and take over and execute a bunch of people. Had that, but, and leading up to that, his economy was good. Once that happened, his economy went terrible. He, he lost control of everything else. So... Largely speaking, if Russia wants to fight this fight, they can do that historically shown at the expense of everyone else. Uh, so cutting them off won't actually do anything. It will just harm the civilian population. But again, this isn't new. This is, this is when you stop and take your virtue, you park it, and you walk out your thought process. You walk out, okay, if I do this, this is how it seems to show up. But what happens in actuality? How does it actually roll out? How does it impact? And when you stop buying vodka, you're, you're, you're killing jobs, you're, you're impoverishing people in Russia who may not agree with this, just want to keep their head down, go to work, make some Westerners some kick-ass vodka, and go home and feed their kids. Uh, you shut off oil and gas. And great, okay, well now you've created a cheaper supply for people that don't align with Western values. And if you create a market impact on their actual exports, totally you're again, you're just impacting workers and civilians. Yes. Up the road, you're going to, to bleed out the top oligarchs that eventually feed back to Putin. Okay. That's way too long game. 
when you guys are playing this super short game, from our government's perspective, they really do think that we can just slap sanctions and, and shut them off. Uh, to their credit, the best, quote-unquote best, sanctions they, they did was they shut off the SWIFT transfer accounts. Um, and for those of you unfamiliar, SWIFT is a banking transfer system for large amounts of money. This is what banks use to transfer to other banks and nation states use to transfer to nation states where you're dealing with billions of dollars, um, hundreds of millions and more. Uh, this is similar to your e-transfer you would send to, to Dolores when you're going to buy a bag of potatoes down the street from the local vendor. Um, but it's a much bigger scale, much more secure, and uh, it is a insulated system. Uh, not just anybody can use it for obvious reasons, but it is well established among nations and banks. This is the system we use to transfer all across the world. Um, that was that was something that could have worked. Uh, unfortunately, it it didn't, uh, and we've seen the unpredictable offset of what ended up happening. So in a perfect world, you shut them off from bank transfers. You really do turn the taps off. However, uh, I hadn't known this. I'm sure people who are very savvy in Asian banking systems may have known this. Anyway, we shut them off a of swift. We, we basically freeze them out overnight. Like they were a Canadian trucker. And, all of a sudden, now you've got India and China doing a different system that China had had running and set up. So again, we're at this situation where we're taking one potentially hostile nation uh, to the West, and we're pushing them into the bosom of a, of a directly hostile nation in Asia. So we're, we're pushing Putin and Russia, who honestly, I do think... Dem democracy and diplomacy, sorry, mostly diplomacy. Democracy doesn't really apply. I'm not going to edit that out, though. But yeah, you, you take diplomacy that could be had with Putin. Uh, he's not a good man, but from my read on him, he could be worked with and reasoned with as long as you are willing to concede some of his best interests at, at the same time. Uh, in the West, we're so self-centered in the fact that in a, in a deal to work, both sides have to walk away feeling like they won. And that's just not how we've treated Russia in my lifetime. Uh, and, and as the Soviet union is no different, that being said, the Soviet union, it was a different situation altogether. You couldn't let them walk away winning anything, but no, like we refuse to let Russia have anything or any recognition uh, and they're not innocent in it. They've been invited to NATO early on and, and we're absolutely not having it. But yeah, now we're pushing somebody that could potentially be reasonable into a foreign power that is soon to surpass, if not already has surpassed the States in just economic supremacy. So I don't know. It to me, the way the pieces are shaping up around Russia and the way the West is handling it, uh, we are setting ourselves up for World War Three. Uh, I certainly don't think Ukraine is what kicks it off at all. I think this is going to be 
over and done with in a lot shorter term than people think. I don't imagine we'll still be talking about this into maybe a little bit into April. Uh, I don't think by May we'll be we'll be at this point dealing with Ukraine. Uh, I do worry though where this has reset pieces on the on the global board and how alliances shape up from this. Uh, another sick sick thing we're seeing is the states in Canada are talking about sanctioning countries that chose not to condemn the Russian-Ukraine situation. You've got places like India who just abstained. Uh, just, okay, we're not going to vote. I don't want to pick a side. I don't, just don't want to get involved. And now you've got massive economic powerhouses talking about sanctioning them, uh, taxing their trade more, or shutting off purchases and exports and imports on certain items. And it's like, what kind of diplomacy is that where do what I say and think the way I think, or we're going to hurt you? Uh, not, not physically, but we're going to make you bleed a little bit because you, you thought the wrong way. We've gotten to a point where ideologies are now justification for, for bad things. Uh, and don't get me wrong, like, when you sanction people, that that actually has an impact and hurts people. Uh, it hurts the people working those jobs and the families that need those jobs to survive. And I think the politicians are getting way too irresponsible with how laissez-faire they are when they apply these sanctions and threaten. And it's just, we've gotten to the point where I think I think... We're at the point where, where I think we're the baddies. Uh, and I say we as in the West has gotten to the point. I, again, I don't, I don't like Putin. He's not a good man. But I respect him. And some of what he says is, is, is valid. Uh, in rebuttal to the United States condemning them, he says, okay, well, Russia's currently got troops on the ground in three or four countries, he said. Uh, and I don't have the fact check to, to justify that, so I don't know if it's true. But the greater point was absolutely correct. And he, he said, well, how many countries is the United States currently boots on the ground in? And, and you don't even have to fact check it to know that the, the point is the states have been the most interruptive physical force in this century. Uh, and they are today. Uh, I had the conversation with my parents when they came over and they started talking about the war. Uh, they're like, oh, it's terrible, it's tragic. I'm like, okay, well, did you know, like, right now, Somalia is being bombed by the United States? Or what happened about uh, Libya two, three years ago? Uh, Iraq, weapons of mass destruction that never, ever happened. Uh, Iran, where they use chemical weapons that never were found. Uh, so... Is it because they're white? Like, again, I don't mean to go woke, but at some point you almost have to turn the tables on these people. I mean, like, are you mad because now the people getting hurt are white? Or, like, where is the selective outrage coming? Because you don't, you don't sit down and say, hey, isn't what's happening in Somalia terrible? Or, hey, isn't what happened to those Middle Eastern people terrible? Whereas, oh, oh, now, now we talk about it. Now it's in mainstream news. Now it's okay to think it's terrible. Uh... Listen, I am a conservative libertarian myself. I own my bias. 
And I don't think it's a bad bias to sit here and say, I don't think we have any business in foreign intervention. Uh, if, if the conflict isn't a direct threat to us, or in our direct national interest, it's not my problem. It's terrible. If I can help, like if you, if you guys get out and come here, by all means, we should lift visa restrictions. We should welcome refugees in. But it's not my job to go over there and fight. And it's also not my job to give the little guy a bunch of guns so he can stay in the fight longer and just take a worse beating. Because uh, that's literally what's happening. All these countries sending over weapons and ammo to Ukraine. It's like, yes, I get it. You think you're doing the right thing. You think you're being virtuous. But let's break it right down. You're giving the, the little guy enough of a, a chance to stay in it longer to get his ass kicked worse and more people hurt. I, I'm not trying to say they should just roll over and take it. If it was here, I'd fight till my last breath too. But from an outside perspective, you're hoping to be unbiased and fairly neutral and be like, okay, is this, is this going to have the effect we want it to? Is this going to change the tide? Is this going to fix the problem? If it's not, what will it do? Oh crap, we, we messed up and now we've dragged it on and more people died. I don't know, I'm, I'm, I feel bad being as cold about it as I have been. Uh, and I certainly don't want to seem like I favor Russia because, again, it's not cool to be the aggressor and kill people. Like, it's not cool to invade towns and cities. It's, seeing tanks roll on, on civilian streets is never a good thing. But there's more to it than surface level. And maybe that's my cross to bear is I'm just unable to look past all of that. I can't look past the nuance. I can't look past the depth and j just see the surface. A lot like the red pill, blue pill. Once you see past it, you can't unsee it. No matter how much you want to. I'd love to just unplug and be, okay, this is what we're supporting today. Cool. I'm going to change my Facebook profile picture. Oh, I did. I did the thing. Everyone's cool with my stance now, but it's, that's not how I am. It's just not how I work and I can't fake it. Uh, and I don't really want to, I don't think this podcast would be what it is if I did, but yeah, I, th I think we covered everything I kind of wanted to cover today. We've got, uh, the, the economic collapse that's happening all around us right now. Uh, and the, the blame game we're having kind of spun, I think where they're, they're blaming Russia, they're blaming conflict, but the truth was, this is always coming, maybe, maybe the conflict has made it worse, maybe it sped some of the things up, but, uh, I think, I think we're just seeing the start of it, uh, and if anything is a indicator from history, if we are heading towards world war, and I don't necessarily mean in the near future, in the next year or two, uh, cause there, there are certain, certain powers that the tensions are quite high, uh, China is my biggest concern, but as, as we see tensions grow higher and higher, things to watch for is hyperinflation. We, we know, uh, we know hyperinflation and, and war do not find themselves too far apart. And we know we're in pretty dangerous inflation as it is. Uh, I'm super biased in the fact that Doug Ford has mandated 
that my pay scale is frozen to a 1% raise. It's insane to think that the government has mandated. Uh, I can only ask for 1%. Meanwhile, inflation has gone 8% in a year. Uh, it's going 7% month over month over month. I'm, I'm basically losing money every month that I continue to make the rate I am. Uh, and it's legal to for them to give me more. It's crazy, uh, but I think it's going to get worse. You're going to see the interest rates slowly creep into unsustainable levels. I think you're going to start seeing by next winter, I think you'll start seeing foreclosures start to be talked about again. I think heat gas come next winter is going to be dangerously high. Uh, that's another one that'll sneak up and people won't realize. Uh, I, I do think if we can't get a grip on things real quick, uh, come April, we've got another six cents, I think it was. Six or eight cents a liter in April 1st is starting on all liters of gas. Thanks to Justin Trudeau's continuing carbon tax. You want to talk about scope creep. Uh, what was supposed to be a one-time tax is now turned into a yearly increase. And uh, yeah, because you know, at $1.83 I got gas today, uh, we definitely need at least six more cents in tax. Uh, yeah, it's it's just as we finished what should have been the biggest global problem being a pandemic and okay, we had to deal with the, the lies and misinformation around that and the, the terrible government policy around that. Uh, nothing's changed. It's we're on to the next biggest problem. And I don't know. I don't know. Do we have to constantly be in a state of chaos? I just love normal times for a little bit. I'd love for this podcast to get boring and lose followers. Uh, that's not the case. I mean, I'm happy to have all of you here. I'm, I'm thrilled to see it grow the way it has. But, but I, I tell you what, I'd love to get to a point where this podcast isn't needed or popular. Um, but, but till then, we'll keep doing it. Uh, I think we're going to sit down for another armchair episode next weekend so we can kind of really dive into the the back and forth on what's going on in the Ukraine and hopefully there's hopefully there's nothing new to talk about next weekend. Um, but I fear that's probably not going to be the case. But as always, uh, we just ask that you pay the fee. Uh, if you like this episode, if you like any of our episodes, uh, just pass it on to a friend. Uh, maybe not necessarily a friend that agrees with you. Uh, or one that you think maybe would appreciate it and could have a look at a different opinion. And if you haven't already, uh, like and subscribe on our Spotify and Apple. The The reviews and likes on there uh, do a lot more than I can put into words. Uh, so if you have, thank you a ton. If you haven't, uh, just do it. Uh, until next week, I hope you guys have a great week. Uh, we're going to get rid of all our snow over here. And uh, roll into spring. But uh, till then, stay free, everyone.